This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson, and with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how's it going? It's going. I'm here. <laughs> Doing good. Another day older, right? That's Ho- right. Hopefully another day wiser, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, 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 I don't hold my breath for myself on that one. <laughs> but, uh, I thought you were going to say hold your breath for me, but hey, I, I wouldn't no. have taken offense. No, no, you'd, be, no. you'd probably be correct. No, so uh, <laughs> so I know you know about this story already, but I thought I'd share it on the show. Had a very interesting weekend. Where at, oh yeah, was it? I guess Saturday night at about three o'clock in the morning. Woke up to an a, unexpected guest. Yeah, yeah. I woke up to a loud crash and went downstairs to find a uh, Ford Explorer in my front yard. Almost, almost into my front porch. Um, yeah, so drunk driver missed the curve on up the street from us and went airborne when he hit the curb and ended up against the tree in my front yard. And then the best part was I go outside and I ask the guy, are you okay? And he's like, oh, the, the driver ran off. And I went, oh, really? And he's like walking away. He goes, yep. And I said, uh... What direction? And he went, what? Oh, um, the other way. <laughs> they just kept walking. <laughs> and so I called 911 and told him, yeah, he's heading east down the street. I don't know if they caught him or not, but I, he was he was doing, I'm sure in his mind, he thought he was playing a pretty good one. He's like, man, they'll never find me now, even though my car is sitting back there. And, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So fool, fooled that guy. I'll come back when the, when everything's calmed down and get my car. <laughs> yeah. And oh my god, yeah, that thing was totaled. And it took out a fire hydrant. I, you know, I'm used to seeing fire hydrants explode like in the movies where they become this projectile. I didn't know mm-hmm. that fire hydrants are actually built to break away. Oh yeah, it breaks off the top of the pipe. Yep. I mean, because all that's sticking out of the ground right now are two capped pipes, but the entire like fire hydrant casing just shattered like glass. Oh yeah, it was crazy. Like, I, yeah, I've never seen it happen. I, I knew they were like secure, and like when they crank those things, it's just like cranking a, like a, another mechanism inside that cranks the bot. Anyway, yeah, so yeah. It's it's just I. To be fair, my knowledge of fire hydrants mostly comes from cartoons. So <laughs> yeah, as most people's probably yeah, <laughs> or in action movies where it comes like it's like a missile flying through the air because of water pressure. In reality, no, that's just a casing and it shatters apart. So you don't have, but I'm glad we didn't have water spraying all over because then it would have turned to ice and yeah, yeah, it, it, it would have been a real mess. It, then. it was a mess in and of itself, and and I bet you anything, you would have been the one cleaning that up. So. Oh, I had to clean up a lot of what was already out there. I mean, I, and I did the best I could, but then we got a bunch of snow the next day, and so I'm like, well, I guess I'll be raking out glass from the front yard in the spring because there's <laughs> nothing else to do. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, 
that was how I spent my Saturday night. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Fun, pretty That's goddamn weird. Always... So yeah, but uh, well, I'm glad uh, nothing came of it besides in you know little loss of sleep and an exciting evening but yeah so yeah it, but it didn't actually end up parked on your front porch because that'd be a lot bigger no the, the scary the scary with. thing is like one of the houses almost directly across the street from us had the same thing happen about six or seven years ago and like it took out their front porch it was a, a college kid who was drunk with a bunch of people in the car and he crashed through these people's porch it's this curve in the street just up the street from mm-hmm. us people go through it too fast they go around it too fast and then they lose control and they overcompensate and they go through one side of the street or the other so we're going to be contacting city hall and raising some hell to be like can you do something here because yeah. there's kids in the neighborhood my neighbor my next door neighbors run a daycare and yeah. and so there's people picking up their kids all the time and it, it's yeah it's it, nightmare waiting to happen so We'll uh, we'll be dealing with that, but in the meantime, I've otherwise been enjoying myself with this wonderful collection of uh, Fishman cinema that we've been going through. Yes, the Fishman series that mm-hmm. we've been, or Fish People, p- perhaps in the case of the film we're going to talk about tonight. I'm not sure. Which you know is don't we- want to be sexist about it. Which is that's true. Fish People. You know what's weird is, for years when when we were kids. And they would remake it. There's another Dracula movie or another Frankenstein movie, even a you know the occasional Wolfman or Mummy movie. I remember always thinking to myself, and even probably bitching to you about it, why don't we get another Creature from the Black Lagoon? Where yeah. where are the Gill Person movies? Right? Well, did you know they were right under your nose here? They were, and because there's a shit ton of them, I'm not finding. Yeah, yeah. The the Gill Man. Um... Perhaps is almost as popular as, you know, just maybe not quite werewolf status, but like right around there. Like there's a lot of Gilman movies too. Most of them cheapies, like mm-hmm. the like, you know, the ones we've been watching. But yeah, certainly they're they're out there. And and the one that we're gonna talk about tonight is complicated because it has a couple of titles and a couple of directors <laughs> yeah. and a couple of release I had dates. Trouble finding it on not not on. I found the the movie on on Tubi when we initially found it, but like finding information about it. Right. Was, yeah. So uh, so last week we looked at Humanoids from the Deep, which is probably one of the most infamous of these kind of movies. I mean, Creature from the Black Lagoon yes. is still like to me the the the, the brass ring of. These you know, oh, it's absolutely. the first movie to use underwater photography. It, the the creature is great in it. Um, I'm going to do this. I say this from time to time, but if you are listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and you have not seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, stop what you're doing, turn this off, and go find a copy of it right it. now. And, it, yeah, it, go as, watch as it. corny as the title sounds, and you've seen the the pop art image of the the creature, whatever. Watch the movie. It's still good. You know, oh, yeah. it's simple. It's, it's linear. It's fine. Um, it's an all-time favorite, and and yeah. biases aside, because I'm you know such a Universal Monsters nerd, um, it might be the the best all-around movie of any of those. You know, even it, it's it's about two decades after yeah the original school Frankenstein Dracula, um, but out of those the you know, the big four right we got Dracula Frankenstein the Wolfman yeah. and the creature, it might be the most accessible and uh, has probably perhaps aged the best out of all of those films. So. Agreed. And the one that we're going to be talking about tonight is interesting because um, 
up until right before I suggested it, I did not know it was a fish person, aquatic, whatever movie. <laughs> because so growing up, I, I saw the box to this one at the video store yeah, with this really creepy looking cover. And I always meant to pick it up and I never did. And I should have. So what we're talking about tonight, I'm going to give it the name that we're familiar with. Um, yeah. As you should, because I think that's the cut we saw. We saw the cut. We'll we'll discuss. This one came out in 1981, directed by Sergio Martino. However, it was modified in 1980 by friend of the podcast, Jim Warnowski, into (laughs) the film that we watched, which is the 1981 horror film, Screamers. Screamers are coming. They're men turned inside out. Their lungs blow up and burst. Their brains expand. And their bodies implode. And the worst thing of all is, they're still alive. Screamers, they'll turn you inside out. Screamers. Rated R. Persons under 17 not admitted without parent or guardian starts Friday. Now, this is also known as Island of the Fishmen. That's the original Italian title. That yes. came out in 79. That was the original Italian film, yeah. That Yeah. yeah. So, um, this one... So, the version we saw was definitely Screamers, because it has this prologue before it uh, that's incredibly yeah. gory. And incredibly different than the rest of the Very. Film. Very. It features some zombies for some reason. Yeah, this has got... <laughs> so, within... It, actually, the first note I have for this movie is actually... I think I love this movie for the prologue alone. Yeah. Um, prologue is a short film all by itself, and I would take just that film. That that's It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's a few things with this one. I mean, the the, the I guess to give you a... Uh, let's see if I can find a quick synopsis for it here. Um, at least one that is somewhat accurate. Um, so, Island of the Fishmen or Screamers is uh, aquatic creatures threaten the existence of a mysterious island. Yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, it goes a little more. This yeah. this movie has just about fucking everything in it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's kind of it, but at the same time, remember, we're talking about a Italian horror film. If, any, if anybody has seen any of these, we're talking the, the work of Argento and Falsi and, uh, you know, the, the Italian masters... This has a definite sense of Italian narrative, <laughs> and that is that the plot is kind of secondary to the style, and they're just going to like throw everything in there, and some of it gets explained, some of it doesn't, but hey, it looks cool, and you know the music's cool, and it's uh, you know um, this it's very Italian is what I'm what I'm going for. even in the even in the 81 Wynarski cut of the film, it still has that Italian sensibility about it, but. I, I, yeah, I mean, so after the, the, you've got the prologue, right, which is like this ship captain who stops on this island and he's got some, like, this rich couple with him or something. And they go exploring around in the beach caves and they get eaten by the fish. They're treasure hunters, essentially. They're going to go ransack the ancient treasure of Atlantis. I think they drop Atlantis then, don't they, in the, like, right away? Atlantean treasure? This movie deals with Atlantis. In fact, I, I, I made a list. This movie has fishmen, monsters, zombies, 
evil, greedy megalomaniacs on a tropical island, mad scientists yeah. on a tropical island, voodoo priestesses, a band of shipwrecked yep. criminals, yep. volcanoes, Atlantis, campy gore, stilted acting, choppy editing, obnoxious soundtrack, and uncomfortable portrayal of, of Native Islanders. Yeah. It I mean, we're... covers everything. <laughs> It's. It sounds like an Italian horror film. <laughs> yeah, it, like they crammed everything. It's like, is it a science fiction? Is it horror? Eh, yes, no, all of it. Well, and it's, you know, obviously loosely based on the uh, story of the Island of Dr. Moreau as well. Yeah, I have like, that on here too. This is Island of Dr. Moreau meets Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, Island of Dr. Moreau with aquatic people instead of, you know, splicing them with, you know, pigs and whatever well, like i guess it was everything in Moreau, but still yeah what, what i absolutely loved about this though is the voice acting because it's part of it's dubbed there's mm -hmm. all the italian actors in here are dubbed and I as they do like that's an italian I, and if if you've heard us review the other italian films i i go through this whole thing every time so i i apologize for that but yeah it, it was definitely um production standard to do dubs so even if they were producing things in english um they would usually would just to save money literally they weren't doing on-screen or on-site audio they would they would save it and do it afterwards it all they also found it easier to uh do it in the recording studio because then they could sell the international markets as well yeah uh we made it easier they did, they could just re you know we'll do the english language track then we'll do the italian track but usually they would actually produce in english it was their it was their primary because the the biggest um consumption of italian films outside of italy was in the united states and the united states people would pay you know top dollar to get italian movies over here especially after you know the clint eastwood westerns and some mm -hmm. of the more popular argento movies and stuff got to be big cult cult favorites over here um so anyway yeah it, it, it that was a production standard uh for italy at the time um to do things uh audio second system audio so um recording audio um after the fact so not on location mm -hmm. so yeah so everything's dubbed even if it's the the actor's real voices they'd be doing it dubbed but. yeah but i can only imagine uh, the dubbing in this one is so stilted that it, 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 it becomes <laughs> part of the charm of it and if it's no guess already i'm giving this one a much better review than the last week um well i mean how can you but it's <laughs> so bad it? and it's so stilted i just can't help but imagine that the voice acting crew in in my head canon the voice acting crew in this one took their job way too seriously and i just imagine them in like <laughs> head-to-toe black leotards in an empty soundstage and they're pantomiming everything they're doing as they say <laughs> lines like animals don't build traps you know, and just all of these huge dubbed exposition dumps. Throughout you the have yourself right there at the next hit, like, underground theater show. You just produce it exactly that way. Yeah. Use this script. Yeah. yeah. It, it, at first, the dubbing is only mildly distracting, and then it gets really distracting, and then it just becomes charming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, as, it's, it's almost like kung fu movie bad at yeah. points, like, or, you know. And Godzilla it, movies, since we're talking about that it, recently. It really is. And also there's the the non-edited, or the non-dubbed cast is such a mixed bag. Like, there's some acting in here that you can tell was pretty good. And then there's some that's... So Richard Johnson plays the villain Edmund Rickham. Ah, yes. Dick Johnson. Dick Johnson. Yes. 
And I actually have this written in here, and I have to say it in his voice. Rickham is dare, I say, delightfully campy mad scientist on a tropical (laughs) island. Villain, you're a very naughty girl. I mean, it's this nasally... Oh my god, it's awesome. Every scene he's in is fucking great. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like... he's the. Honestly, he is, starts off as kind of your mustachioed villain, like or straight out of like a, oh Hanna Barbera car, or Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon, right? Yeah. Um, and slowly, um, well, no, I guess I was gonna say kind of becomes your your mad scientist, but not really. The mad scientist is actually the guy he's holding hostage, so he d- is really just kind of the dastardly criminal. But like, uh, and he plays it so well and it's so hammy but it's wonderful like hammy in a good way like he's just playing this like and and that's something i kept coming back to i kept writing down over and over again like this thing just has this really strong well-connected feeling to classic um horror and science fiction films and we're talking like b films from the 40s and 50s and um monster movies and such and these characters are like cookie cuttered right out of that stuff. Like so, like Richard Johnson's character or Edmund Rackham in this is just—he's. This doesn't seem like a film that was made in 1981. This seems like I'm watching something much older, which actually was a, one of the charms that worked on me for this one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and one thing I noticed too, watching it is there in the prologue, it's very, very gore heavy. Yeah. They. Yeah. They. They drive it home with the new stuff, and um, that very that seems a little bit more like it's a movie made in nineteen eighty one because of the violence, but but it's still got that classical like you know it's a it's an island and they're searching for treasure like you just don't see especially like in this day and age you don't see a horror film made that way like I, I don't I can't think of the last time I saw a horror movie that you know is. Um, or a monster movie that wasn't like a big special effects spectacular, but actually kind of more of a monster horror film mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, had kind of a period setting and, um, you know, it was about, I don't know, anything like this. There's just something so like old fashioned about it. That was great. Yeah. It, it uh, I'm surprised too that this, despite the gore in that prologue, the rest of the movie really is. It's funny because in the in the prologue, the you know when the fishman slashes somebody, it like rips their whole face off or eviscerates them. It's this really over the top <laughs> yeah. gore. And then the rest of the movie, the fishman just kind of like scratch your face a little bit, and you go ah, and you fall down. <laughs> they do a whole lot of like, you know, palming people's faces and just kind of wiggling their head around, and that's pretty much how they kill people. Yeah, <laughs> it's not graphic. There's actually no like nudity or like inappropriate language. It's this is almost like a PG PG thirteen movie. Yeah, if you I think it might have the, been in its original yeah it, original form. If you take out the prologue, it's like this is pretty vanilla, right? It's pretty mellow, yeah. and but it's still really charming. But I, I I wouldn't recommend this one to everybody. I think you have to like bad movies. You have to like corny and you know you you have to be okay with seeing the zipper on the back of the suit kind of a thing and, and appreciate oh, yeah. a movie like this for its charm yeah the one the one thing that humanoids has over this is is the the special effects and costumes or um yeah the creature effects were certainly superior in 
in uh, humanoids. Though but, in this one, they're not right. they're not like off-putting bad. They're just oh, no, they're no, not no. as good. Um, and actually, I kind of like the little twist plot because again, spoilers, right? Hopefully, you've all seen the movie. You start out finding out that the sign, you know, at first you get the idea because, um, you know, you're told that these are the surviving lineages of the people of Atlantis. They've turned into these gill people, these fish people. Mm -hmm. And then you find out, no, they've been genetically created. Um, and that's a nice little twist. It's simple, but it's something that keeps the plot moving. They could have stopped with, yeah, they're Atlanteans and they're mad. Or whatever, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it, there are some really fun characters in here. Uh, honestly, I think everybody needs a bro like Jose. Oh yeah, Jose. I actually kind of I when I first saw and the, the name of the actor is actually Franco Ivorone Lavarone Ivorone. Um, I thought for a moment that it was. Um, the same guy from the movie Pieces who ended up playing Bluto in the um, Popeye movie. And I was like, oh, that dude, because he shows up in another another movie and it ended up, once I got a look at him up over a few scenes, I went, oh, no, it's not the same guy. But, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, the creepy groundskeeper he played in Pieces. But Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, that was him. <laughs> well, and what's also amusing in this one is we actually have a, we have a voodoo priestess in this one. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, every every um, Gilman treasure, Atlantean treasure seeker, genetic splicing, mad scientist movie definitely needs a voodoo priestess subplot. So, and her name is Shakira. Yeah, sure is Shakira. Shakira. <laughs> and her hips uh, don't lie. She's very angry. I, I, God, I wish I wish you hadn't have said that because I wouldn't <laughs> have admitted to actually thinking that every time he like yelled her name, like it would, Shakira, it would be in my Shakira. head like Shakira. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and, and that's on the record. That's so. on the record. There, yeah. Every everybody <laughs> has a guilty pleasure for liking Shakira. It's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, by the way, totally off subject. You ever see the uh, Shakira Glenn Danzig? Um, oh, a million times. Yeah, that's my favorite thing ever. So it's. If you don't look it up, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It has nothing to do with this movie. It's but. funny as hell, though. Um, <laughs> so in in the eighty one, apparently we we were talking before we started recording. We have no idea what version we watched. We know it's not the Italian one because it has the Warnowski prologue. But yeah, I'm pretty sure we saw Screamers. But there's some mystery to like some of the descriptions of scenes that I'm reading that I don't really recall seeing in the way that they're described. So. Yeah, apparently yeah. they're like. Was the, I not paying attention? But no, you feel the same way. I so do. <laughs> the cover art for this movie, the version of Screamers, the video store copy, was like this creepy, uh, screaming skeletal man with no skin, like inside out, right? Mm -hmm. And the the caption on the cover even says like they will turn you inside out. And then I watched right. the movie, and it's it's fishmen that like just kind of face palm you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and wiggle you around. And, and wiggle you around. And yeah. and I and I read apparently the same article you did that when Wynarski played around with this in in the early '80s he added a scene to give it that name and that that context towards the end and I'm watching it waiting and I never saw it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I never saw exactly that. So my guess is on what exactly the Inside Out man that they marketed this whole Screamers version of the movie on was. 
there was a zombie-like creature in the beginning prologue film that kind of looked like it could be an inside-out man, I suppose. But that more looked like a rotten corpse to me. Yeah, and it didn't... Um, like Then there is also the um, scene in the laboratory where he is converting that... Um, Jose, I think it was Jose, yeah. right? That... Um, and he has, like, most of his body, his face is intact, but most of his body looks like it has been turned inside out. So, like, part of the, like, regeneration process when they splice, you know, genetically are turning these people into, you know, the Gilmen, the Atlanteans, um, is doing that. It's, like, turning people inside out. But as of an actual scene, like, literally it's described as the, the scene of a man being turned inside out. I have question mark. I don't know where that was. Like, I see those references to it here and there in the movie, but, like, I, I don't recall there being, like, that big scene. I feel like I want to go watch it again because I felt... Like, once I started reading about this, I'm like, I missed something big here. <laughs> yeah, something seemed off. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, maybe that was the scene just with Jose. I don't know. That did yeah. look a little different than everything else, but not that different. Um it's not like prologue it was different. the only scene inside of the after the prologue maybe not the only scene but the only one i could think of that was like graphically violent again like there's the prologue and then there's that scene in the lab where he has to kill the jose creature yeah that is pretty like graphically gory yeah I'm and that's it. so it's the only scene like after you know post credits like when we um get into like the guts of this movie and who like the main characters are it's the only scene that doesn't fit, so perhaps that is the scene. Like I, I think it probably is, but but it's still such a departure from how they're advertising it. And I mean, I... oh yeah, I do. If you watch the trailer, I don't know if you watch the trailer for it, but the whole trailer is all about you know screamers. They'll turn you inside out. <laughs> like, like this has it's... nothing to do with. They don't scream either. They're fish people. They're just kind of <laughs> glub glub, you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think they do like when they're out of the water. They do have this like kind of like yeah, kind but, of sound, but it's definitely not a scream. No, it's like, more it's, of a gasp. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, this is a strange one, but at the same time, it's kind of got all these little <laughs> elements that just are so trashy. They work. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's got. It's one of those movies that like trying to like describe to somebody well first of all what it's about would be tough because it take you almost the runtime of this movie to actually describe the plot to you because it's like all over it's like taking u-turns every scene mm-hmm. um you know it's a little bit of island of dr moreau slash most dangerous game slash gilman slash voodoo slash like whatever we, we went through all of those yeah. earlier but atlantis um, volcano shipwreck criminals voodoo priestess <laughs> evil scientist and greedy megalomaniac both on tropical islands with zombies and fishermen movie yeah yeah, it's one of those. You know, yeah. A lot of, they're a dime a dozen. That but, old chestnut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so describing to somebody what it's about would take almost the their whole runtime of this movie. But um, yeah, it just, it's trying to describe then like what it is that about it that is good to somebody who's not already well-versed in like, you know, trashy cult movies and Italian horror movies and things like that um, might be kind of tough, but we should probably give it a go. Like, why, why is it? Why is it good? But yeah, um, I, 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 I think it's just because it it has all of those things. It, it, I think if you were to remove half of those, this movie would just be god awful, and it, it'd be like it's so bad, it's just bad. 
but it's yeah. got so much crammed into it. There's all these poorly developed subplots. And on top <laughs> almost of the not fact, developed at times. I, I like almost the... appreciate the fact that this is so much not like humanoids from the deep with the cringy mm-hmm. everything and the, the 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 nudity that's put in there just to have nudity. Like it doesn't do anything. This doesn't have any of that. It's just like, yeah, it's a crazy, all this other crazy shit. And it's like, this is actually fun. Like, this is the, this is a good one to show to a group of people while you're having a few drinks and just kicking back and laughing. Uh, yeah. It's But it's interesting enough where you're still watching it. it yeah, it's I, just not, it, it's not off-putting in, in any way otherwise. I, I do think, and I... And I don't want to be like the you know the downer to bring this back to like realize there's some off-putting um, cultural depictions of, yes. of people in here that uh, you know from a modern standpoint certainly you know certainly deserves a warning like the the native islanders are the native islanders who I guess from dialogue in the film aren't actually the original native islanders because there's the atlanteans and then there's this group of like mysterious native islanders that abandon the island and then there's these people and then there's the you know villain and then the, anyway but um they kind of play the role of you know um slaves to you know white mustachioed yes. villain in this and even when he starts to have his disagreements with Shakira, the voodoo priestess, who is also one of his servants, um, they are, you know, have his, his like henchmen have like a little like crisis of, I don't know, for some reason it seems like they, they don't know who to side with (laughs) at that point, which is kind of a weird moral I don't know. Anyway, the depictions are not sensitive, is what I should say. Is there's there's certainly racially insensitive stuff here. Um, that is not uncommon in 1970s, especially European movies. Um, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying it's one of those things. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's there, unfortunately. Uh, it is not, like, super... I don't know. I guess I, I, I refuse, you know, being who I am, I refuse to, like, weigh in on whether it's offensive or not, I guess. But I, I picked up on that it's certainly not sensitive, that's for sure. But Yeah, yeah, there, there's... It, it is a product of its time, and that's not to excuse anything, but it is a product yeah. of its time. It doesn't double down on that with more and more and more. Uh, it, this you the, the Warnarski stuff that put in here it's it's something that he does in a lot of his films is kind of like let's push it to the boundaries with you know his mm-hmm. prologue and a few scenes um oh yeah, yeah but he's... overall this is like a pretty standard monster movie but it's just they cram mm-hmm. in every subplot you can imagine from damn near every <laughs> monster movie possible it's... I mean, it's creative. It's also got that that um, thing that you we, you missed quite a bit in uh, Humanoids from the Deep, and that is this is certainly has a strong um, Lovecraftian vibe, and it is certainly not based on Lovecraft in any way. But I mean, just the, the you know, first of all, you know, human spliced gill people, uh, straight out of Lovecraft stuff. But then even the like, you know ancient city that's buried far beneath the sea and uh you know the ancient temples and all this stuff and like the like all the imagery of that stuff is straight out of that of lovecraft yes. as well so it's got that strong lovecraftian kind of 
backbone that I, that I think, like you mentioned, was missing from um, Humanoids from the Deep, even though it was such a such a like a story that was like ripe and ready for uh, Lovecraft mentions, and it just never got there. But well, yeah, because I mean, if you think about some, of, and I don't want to go off on a whole Lovecraft tangent, but if you think about a lot of his work, you do have the like mad scientist stuff that Lovecraft did mm-hmm. with you know From Beyond. Uh, obviously, you know, Herbert West reanimator and so on near Latitep to some degree, though, kind of, um, and humanoids had like the whole, like, you know, hybrid fish people mating thing, which is right out of shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah. But this one kind of, I agree. It kind of combines a bunch of intentionally or not Lovecraftian elements with like, okay, well we've got these humanoid things from the deep but in this case they're made from essentially herbert west (laughs) on an island and it's just it it really does blend like i said before it's it's like a cross between lovecraft and hg wells this had very strong uh island of dr moreau tones to it very this is island of dr moreau if he really liked aquariums Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) um rather than just mammals yeah, and he, if he was uh, being held hostage by Dick Dastardly from the Hanna Barbera cartoons, so. oh my God, right? The, <laughs> the, 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 it was like that or Snively Whiplash. Just the, yeah. <laughs> the the sneering tone is so. I don't even know how do you describe that accent. I don't know. Like it's mustache. I'm not twirling. familiar enough with Richard Johnson as an actor to know if it's like really the way he speaks, but I, I doubt it. I, I think he really took some, you know some uh, influence from i don't know classic cinema i mean who where do you come up with that besides that kind of like mustache twirling just archetype uh, of villain you and know? i had to pause the movie and i know i already said the quote but when he's like ah you're a very naughty girl i had to pause it because i was laughing so damn hard i'm like holy shit yeah. this is like oh. Oh my god, this reminds me of like the 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 governor in Blazing Saddles, um, you know. It's yeah, same kind of just dastardly horrible villain, but it works so <laughs> goddamn well in this and yeah. You know, ultimately the main plot points of this movie are wholly forgettable. Right. You don't watch this movie for but- the story. It's not well made. I in one of my but notes, I had to go back and like think about what it was. It's there's a scene when all the a couple of the, the prisoners that end up on this call, you know, like oh, so I gave a synopsis, but it's not really that great, you know. Like you get a boat full of a bunch of shipwrecked prisoners that end up on this island. Hilarity ensues, mm-hmm. but there's a scene yeah. when a bunch of them are walking through a marsh, and it's this way too long scene of just splish splash. Lots of deciduous trees on this tropical island. Yeah, you noticed that too. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my notes actually. Like, awful lot of deciduous trees here. But yeah, wow, this tropical island looks a hell of a lot like Italy. <laughs> like a lot. There's no. no ferns. There's no palm trees. But it's tropical. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe Mediterranean island doesn't work quite as well. I don't know. Would, yeah. Would it? Could um, Atlantis be in the middle of the Mediterranean? I don't know. I don't know enough about it, like to to really say yes or no. But I mean, in the, in the context of this movie, why not? You could literally throw anything into this movie, and I'd believe it. So, um, sure. Yeah, I won't go down that but, rabbit hole. But um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of like cast members, we we did not bring up uh, 
Barbara Bach, uh, Mrs. Ringo Starr, yeah, is, uh, the the lead in this. Who is who at the time when this was made is is not a, um, or is it's a fairly big name to pull into you know an Italian production. Um, I don't know what her. I should have looked her up, but I don't know what her connection to to this was or or whatever. But um, she is also the most famous. Probably her most famous role is. Uh, as Agent Triple X in The Spy Who Loved Me, if uh, anyone is familiar with that James Bond film starring Roger Moore. But um, yeah, so she turns up in this one. I haven't, I, I think it's the only other thing I've seen her in, honestly. But it was, um, so a couple years later, so she would be just rolling off of the fame of that, which that's. Oh, I know of one I other movie you've seen. You, her uh, oh, yeah? What am I forgetting? Spy Who Loved Me. Well, yeah, I just said that. That was the other one I've seen her in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, that's the only other one. But uh, and I don't know if you yeah. see Force Ten from Navarone, but I know that's the other one she was in. But yeah, Ford anyway, and I don't know. But yeah, I, I know her from The Spy Who Loved Me and as being uh, you know Ringo's wife. But mm-hmm. that's uh... <laughs> and you know what that she all all the female characters in this are very much like damsel in distress kind of thing. Yeah, you know, which is there's no Although other doesn't she she has a good entrance. I was disappointed she became damsel in distress because she certainly does. Um, she has a good interest. Does she ride in on a horse and like shoot some stuff? Like, some, oh, she some, shoots that snake. Yeah, some for no sharp, fucking sharp reason. Shooting snake from like way up on the yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I actually had something in my notes about the like. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'd have to be a hell of a crack shot to hit a snake <laughs> oh, that yeah. distance with a short barrel rifle. Not to mention that snake was clearly non venomous. It, it that was just like wow. We're just gonna blow that <laughs> off the snake for no reason. <laughs> And and this is yeah. back in the the 70s and 80s when they actually would just kill animals on set, which is horrible. Yeah, being an Italian movie too, they don't have the rules. I mean, anyone who's you know sat through any Italian any of the Italian cannibal films knows that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. They don't really have any rules about the animal cruelty and stuff, which is the reason I won't rewatch uh, Cannibal Cannibal Holocaust. It's not about the subject material. I just don't really enjoy that so yeah it, it's pointless and it's just exploitive but yeah. i mean and as i i want to get to a point before we get into like final thoughts though i i, I want to sure. kind of circle back to something we were talking about at the very beginning but kind of go into it a little bit more detail now that we've discussed this one in in some detail but um the the whole like gill person fish person aquatic horror kind of thing um does it have a does it have a place in modern cinema? Because apparently, as we're discovering, with the exception of the original creature films in the fifties into the early sixties, uh, which kind of decreased in popularity, um, and then humanoids, which was just controversial for its content, there's a spattering of these mostly in Italian films, and they're they're not really po- common commonly known among popular you know. American audiences, um, yeah. Do and as we continue to see Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, even the Mummy, constantly remade. This one doesn't get much. I mean, I'm starting to think of the last time I saw a Gill person, and it was like probably Cabin in the Woods, and it was a joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the the Shape of Water, and the which, Shape uh, of Water did it. Well, Abe Sapien, which was Shape a, of Water, kind of a thing. Right. So that that was certainly a Gilman monster movie, like straight out. I mean, like Del Toro being a monster kid, 
you know, mm-hmm. probably perhaps the most successful, <laughs> like, um, monster kid that stayed true to his roots of making monster movies. Um, he certainly one was, was attempting to rekindle that. I think like he, he had been long attached to the remake of creature, which never came to fruition. And I think took some of those resources, um, from, from what he was thinking he would do with that and made, made the shape of water. I was hoping that that was going to its success, obviously. I mean, it won Best Picture at the Oscars and was a just just gigantic success. And I've still not um, seen it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I was hoping that that would kind of rekindle the interest in the Gilman uh, kind of, you know, horror films. And although The Shape of Water is more of a fairy tale than a horror film, it certainly fits in the, you know, into the box of... <laughs> Um, I, I think creature movies. Honestly, but. I think, and again, having not seen Shape of Water, I keep meaning to, but I keep just missing it. Um, I think what hurt it a bit, because yes, it did win Best Picture, which shocked the hell out of me. Um, yeah, yeah. But what I think hurt it as far as popularity is we've already seen Guillermo del Toro's Fish Man, is Abe Sapien in two Hellboy movies. Right. And the design yep. was practically identical. It was similar. Yeah, you know, and Doug Jones. Yeah, and Doug Jones. Played so in, played it. In both, who's yeah. fantastic in anything he's in? Um, oh yeah, I'm watching Star Trek Discovery season three oh, right now. There you go. Doug Jones. But yep, is, always impresses me. Is there a place <laughs> for this type of horror in modern film? Like, or is the, I mean, I, I think there could be personally with environmental focuses. I would, I would say, yeah, I think we're ripe for this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like you said, environmental focuses, you could, you could tell all kinds of great stories this way. And now we have, you know, cinema has the special effects to, to really like, okay, let's say we wanted to literally make a movie similar to Screamers, like what we watched to bring it back to that. Like, it's about this Atlantean culture resurfacing. I'm trying to take back it's um you know lots of sci-fi stuff's been written about that with a similar story to that but i think we finally have the resources to really make that happen like you could you could actually show you know like um the only here i'm gonna give you a dc reference i knew only, it was coming uh, like, i knew it was coming <laughs> i was waiting for it the only thing i can think of that is an aquatic action film that i've seen any time in the past 10 years is the aquaman movie and i i think if you you think about Probably not to that scale, but I mean, think what you could accomplish with well, doing an and, underwater and, society. Like. And they alluded to that because in the Aquaman movie, we have briefly appearing the race of creatures known as the Trench. Yeah. Which, yep. which swarmed the boat. Now, I was excited when they threw those in the movie, even just for a brief moment, because that's an awesome... One of the few... I'm going to nerd out in DC Comics for a moment. Bear with me. It's one of the few <laughs> good new 52 story arcs for DC Comics is the trench with Aquaman. Like, yeah. my favorite Aquaman t-shirt is that with the trench. Because it's finally, they, they gave this really horrific... I mean, they, they brought Aquaman to, like, true horror with these creatures. Um, and I was happy to see that they did put him in the movie, and that's exactly how they look in the comics. So, hmm. I've heard there has been some discussion about in upcoming Aquaman movies, doing more with them, because that'd be really cool. They those are, those are Gil Ben monsters, right? Um, yeah. So we've seen hints of it in film. We've seen them as supporting characters. We've seen them in love stories. Um, but are we gonna get a creature from the Black Lagoon type film? I know that um, artist Todd Marshall 
back in the 90s, early 2000s, was approached about a potential project, and he actually I've talked to him and I've seen some of the designs he had for Creature, and it was awesome. But it never, but like a lot of movies, it never panned out. Um, yeah. The the Creature remake has been something that has been on the, like Hollywood has attempted, I mean, I probably don't have enough fingers to count as many times as they're going to have remade Creature and it's never gotten done. Part of me is very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Creature of the Black Lagoon is mm-hmm. is what it is. It's 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 an immortal favorite film that I, I you know treasure and I will always just go back and watch that if I want to see Creature from the Black Lagoon. But I think we could take some pieces of that and what works about that and, and apply it to a modern movie. And I think you could make some really interesting stuff. Um Gilman monsters are well. Here, let's let's dive into for two seconds. Like, what is scary about a Gilman, the Gilman monster, or aquatic, you know, humanoids? And it's that you know, seventy-five percent of our planet is covered with water. We've explored, you know, what twenty percent of the oceans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there is this possibility, less of a possibility now because we have all this technology to kind of see. But, um, but up until you know, even. 20 years ago there's this possibility there's could be this entire like you know civilization of uh, these creatures like living right under our noses um so yeah there's this like kind of like ingrown fear of the unknown when it comes to like what's in the you know what's in the depths of the oceans and um as we're finding out you know i I think modern science we're finding out you know what's in the depths of the oceans is not you know scary gill people but it's still a it's still a fascinating and horrifying concept and I think yeah. it could be, yeah, made into many successful films. I think you just have to, you know, write them I, if you're I, out I there think, listening. Like, you know, it's it's <laughs> interesting when when we look, and I'm going to get really meta for a second. But if you really go and, and look at monsters as a whole, or even any kind of, of horror entity, right? You got your ghosts and zombies. Those are scary because they represent death, right? Mm-hmm. Something nobody wants to deal with uh, or think about. When you look at vampires and werewolves, that's scary because it's about, you know, like the human becoming the beast, losing your humanity, right? You become the Turning beast. Turning the predator prey. Right. Flipping it on its head. Even yeah. if you look at movies, horror films about viruses, as you know, the pandemic we're still in right now, it's like, oh, the human being brought down by the most simplest form of, of def- defined life, right? Um. And, and then you even get in movies like Slither and Night of the Creeps and Squirm, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, worms that are mm-hmm. sl- leeches, slug kind of thing. The Gill Man fits there in the middle. It's, there's an, I, I think, and I could be wrong on this, this, is my hypothesis, that there's an evolutionary thing with what we fear, right? There, there are some trends there, and, you know... It, the idea of something that evolved differently and it looks like us but it still has all of those aquatic characteristics now you can be a great swimmer but you are evolved for terrestrial living you are still better on land than in the water knowing that there's a creature that is better in the water than you are and you are now in this as you correctly put it 75 percent of our planet that's what makes Jaws terrifying. That's what I watch Jaws. I have a hard time getting into a swimming pool for a few weeks. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and I love that movie. And I love that it freaks me out because it's so effective. And I think a good creature from the Black, a good Gilman movie, 
has the potential to do that if they play it right. But it's hard to do. I will bring up the movie Underwater that just came out last year, year before. I think it came out in uh, 2020. Yeah. Which is very it, Lovecraftian. Yeah, I heard, I heard good things. It's it's very good. Um, yeah, and I would highly recommend that one. But that gets into some similar kind of things too, but in a different way. Um, but I think that shows the, the potential for this type of terror. No, I don't think there are creatures at the bottom of the ocean like that, but that just as much as I don't think there are really werewolves, but it has that uh, uh, appeal. Uh, so I would recommend actually Underwater if you want to see the potential for this type of creature and how scary it could be. And I, I, and I don't think Underwater is an absolutely terrifying film, but it let me know, ooh, but this could be. This, this topic... Mm-hmm. This concept, this type of creature, really has the potential to be as scary as any ghost, zombie, vampire, or werewolf. I think it's just become kind of a joke because, like, oh, it's the fish guy. Yeah, do it right, though, and that's scary as shit. Yeah. You know, when you're in the water, you're out of your element. Right. Have you you ever been, just a curious question, um, have you ever been on um, the ocean to the point, um, like, on on a cruise ship or... Out in the ocean to the point where you can't see land anywhere? Yes, like, in the Gulf, but right. yes, in the Gulf I have. Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, and I've been over oceans where you look out the window and you just go, fuck, from the airplane. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a certain power just to, like, being cut off or just knowing, like, I am surrounded by something that could just kill me in a second, essentially. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, same th- I suppose you could say the same thing about flying in an airplane. It's, it's a modern, you know, convenience, but... Um, yeah, there, there's certainly fear there, like ingrained, like deep down in our human, whatever we are, fear of not only the unknown, but also the power of it. So, well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I will share a, a brief anecdote. When I was in college at Southern Illinois, I think it was my sophomore or junior year, um, I was majoring in geology, and one of the courses I took was on a geology of the Florida Keys. And it was a seminar mm-hmm. course that ended with a field trip for a couple of days down to the Florida Keys in December to look at the geology and look at the coral reefs. It was a horrible class. I had to go snorkeling in December in the Florida Keys. It was just fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. It sucked. Man. Um, that sounds terrible. I can't believe you but had to go two, through that. Two brief things, and I'll make this quick, but two things happened on that trip that really filter into what we're talking about here. One is they took us out in a boat into the southern part of the of the Keys, so technically we were in the Atlantic. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, you can't see land at that point, but it was weird because we got off the boat and we could stand on the water because there had been so much sediment piled up around some of the corals. Hmm. So you're like walking on water and you can't see land. It was weird as shit. But then we found yeah, places where you could put your <laughs> your snorkel gear on. And I am terrible at snorkeling. And so I'm like flopping around, right? <laughs> and I'm just underwater enough where I kind of look upward like ahead of me. And I am about 10 feet away from this nine-foot statue of Jesus Christ underwater. And I let out a scream underwater and I surfaced <laughs> and I actually yelled out, what the Jesus. fuck? Jesus, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and the, the guide that was on our boat was like, oh yeah, there's a group, a religious group that dumped that here about 30 years ago because there's like some religious group and they put that here because this is a common snorkeling area 
He said, and by this point, other students had popped their heads up. They're like, what's with the Jesus statue? <laughs> so he waited till we were all service. He's like, whatever you do, don't go embrace the Lord. He's covered in fire coral, and you will have a deeply religious experience <laughs> if you do. <laughs> so that was enough, like, right there. And there's, like, sea turtles swimming around us and shit, and you realize, like, I am in a totally different realm. Mm. Right. And then when we got back to our lodgings for the night on the Keys, uh, we decided, well, we've got all our snorkeling gear. Let's get better at this because we clearly sucked out there today. And so we go into one of the little inlets and in one of the Keys. I think it was on Marathon. And we're splashing around. And we can't see shit in the water. There's so much tannin from the mangroves. You can't see anything. Yeah. And these boats keep going by and honking at us. And we're dumb college students. When they honk at us, we wave hi because, you know, we're all arrogant. And finally, one of these boats comes back back around, and he's like, you guys need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we're trying to figure out how to like get our pace and rhythm and snorkeling. He goes, yeah, well, you've picked the one inlet where there's a family of saltwater crocodiles. Get out of here. <laughs> so we're all splashing <laughs> around like you know, injured animals <laughs> in crocodile-infested <laughs> waters. Once again, another reminder on the same day of how quickly in an aquatic situation things can change and we're very lucky yeah. nothing did but we we hightailed it out of there after that we we're like i guess i just right. suck at snorkeling i'm not gonna get better here yeah. <laughs> um yeah and i yeah no, those are the I kind of like things the... that just make me think about like this is scary if you do it right this concept can be really really terrifying yeah Absolutely, and I'm surprised there haven't been more. Honestly, I, it, like we like we have just recently discovered that the smattering of of Gilman movies, like throughout, especially in kind of like more B movies throughout the '80s and um, probably into the '90s. But but yeah, I, I think you could do something with it, and I'm surprised it hasn't popped up more often. Honestly, yeah, I think I think it's it's a it's kind of immortal in in the way that human beings are going to find this concept terrifying. So, well, something yeah. somebody needs More to make Gilman it. Somebody movies, needs to write please. it, and and by by all means, feel free to use screamers as a model because <laughs> yeah. this had so much in it that it made it so much fun, especially compared to last week's, which was such. Oh like, yeah, and I, uh, I think probably it did it to you know give it the benefit of the doubt. It might have helped that last week was just such a kind of cringy, tough, yeah. yeah. Uh, movie to watch and just just kind of a tough movie to make sense of and this is a movie that came out came from the same production studios this is a i don't even think we mentioned that but this is a new yeah, world it's another release new world. um roger corman at least the american version of this he they purchased or, or you know acquired uh, the italian film but then they, they made the changes and such so so corman roger corman's very involved with this as well they're releasing this under new world pictures um so it does show like some, what they can do with with the concept and not, you know, make a yeah. misguided movie like Humanoids from the Deep. But anyway, well, I mean, do do you have any final thoughts on this one before we get into grades? Um, I don't really, except that it's just you're right. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, yeah, it, it's a crazy movie. It, it will keep you guessing, or maybe not guessing as much as... Because you couldn't possibly guess where it's going to go one scene to the next, but um, it keeps throwing curveballs at you, which makes it interesting. Uh, it's it's 
it's quick or it's it, it, it it's a brief movie i think it runs about 100 minutes uh i guess it's, i just i'm looking at the runtime it's not as brief as i thought it was so it passed by even faster than i thought but mm-hmm. um the prologue is like an, a disconnected its own short film that is actually really good but it feels like a different movie altogether um so yeah it's it's interesting it's also is a bit of a time capsule which i think is cool of of kind of the you know what what they were doing with like kind of b movies in the in the early 80s and that is they've acquired this already made film like this is a film that is what it is from the italian version they've acquired it they go in and shoot some extra stuff to make it more appealing to what americans are after in the 1980 early 1980s and um yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you're not going to see something like that these days. Things like that don't make it to the theaters now. Like, it's just not, you know. There's probably people out there doing this, like, buying up, you know, foreign films and re-editing them for their... In fact, I know there are people out there doing that, but... Um, I don't think they're getting the attention that they were back then, so... So, yeah, it's a time capsule as well, in a way. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I Personally, I have to put this one up there with... It's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. I mean, let's. <laughs> oh, not, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, have any qualms about that. It, it's not good. It's bad. But it's so bad in parts that it's it's so charming, and yep. it's got all those. Even even with the with Wynarski's additions that are overly gory. If you're if you if you can stomach that and you like that, this is a fun one. Um, yeah. It's I would I would Well and I also think it's got those really strong ties to like classic horror movies it does. as well. It like, yeah. really does. Um I I would put this up there with um, you know, things like Killer Workout and you know, some of these other like these are great movies to watch with a group of people. They're fun, they're not nothing there there's some there's a few cringe moments, but nothing that is going to be so painful to watch and so uncomfortable especially after humanoids but um yeah yeah i, I gotta put this up there with kind of like howling the freaks you know where it's like this movie's oh, yeah, just so yeah. batshit it works somehow by the by the grace of whatever it works so um do, do you have a grade for this one yeah um and i actually think it got a little better as we talked about it but um this is certainly better than humanoids i enjoyed it it's it's crazy it's a it's italian narrative it's uh, all over the place they're gonna throw all kinds of story elements at you but that's part of the fun of something like this it, also it's ties to old-fashioned movies which i love um the monsters were the only thing that i was not not that they were bad they weren't terrible but like i want to take pluck the monsters out of humanoids from the deep and drop them into this movie and watch, you know, that movie. That's that's my my ideal for this, you know, blending those two. But I think I got to go because, I mean, fault. This, this is certainly a movie without, I think we sang its praises a lot. It's certainly not a movie without fault. So I think I'm going to go with a, a C plus on this one. But it's an enjoyable C plus. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, and I kind of feel like I want to watch it again just because it throws so much at you. Like, it's... That's awesome. I honestly, I'm gonna go a little bit higher on this one. Um, this gave me some. I can't even call it nostalgia for this one. It's just it had elements 
of all of these different things I love about the types of movies that we review on this show, it's got bad acting or dubbing. It's got questionable <laughs> effects. It's got plots that just get tossed in, and somehow it works. If this one begs you to suspend disbelief, even in terms of storytelling, but if you can do that, you, the payoff is there because it's just it. it, it there's nothing that's going to like pull you back. Going, yeah, I want to suspend disbelief, like in you know humanoids. But there's this stuff I just can't get around. No, it's all, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a ton of fun watching this one. And this, personally, I, I totally... My review and my grade on this one is very personal. I, I'll throw that out there right away. Uh, because <laughs> I saw this creepy cover every goddamn yeah. time I went to Who Video in Pecatonica, Illinois. Yeah, know? me too. That's what I, That's how I remembered this and from. I, I don't kept, think we even talked about that a lot, but yeah, that's that's where I remember I, this I, one And from, every yeah. time I pick it up going, oh, maybe I'll watch this one. And I was like, eh, I'd read the back and I'd read the synopsis and it wouldn't make any sense. And now I know why. <laughs> they turn you inside out. <laughs> and it's like, it, but they're talking about like fish people. What the fuck are they talking about? And then... I finally see it at 39 years old, and I'm like, holy shit, this is great. I don't think I would have appreciated it as a kid. Yeah. But it's no, so much no, fun now. So. If you, it, this, is a, this is definitely one of those like schlocky, so bad it's good movies. I'm actually going to give this one a solid B. Okay. If you yeah. know what you're getting into, this is a solid B. It's, it's not for everybody, but if you want a good... I'll, I'll even say relatively safe movie to watch. Relatively safe movie to watch. Yeah. That's not going to be overly offensive or anything. It's just stupid, fun monsters. This is great. The, um, the nods to all the old universal horror is just, it's refreshing. So, yeah, I'm happy to give this one a, a solid B right in the middle. It's a B movie. This is your classic B movie. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, and I guess that kind of concludes our Gilman impromptu throw together. Though there's many, many others we could be going into. We we mentioned a few other like special Aquaman technically is kind of one of them. Underwater definitely got to see that one to see what they could be doing with these kind of creatures in the future. But what do we have coming up uh, pretty soon? Well, I uh, next week on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we're going to be taking a look at the movie The Dead Hate the Living. Yes. Which I believe was one that um, we probably saw together the first time. I think time, so. In honestly. college, yeah. Um, that, uh, so that was made in 2000. And um, yeah, so that's we're going to check that out for next week. And that is uh, streaming free on Tubi. As was, I don't know if we mentioned, but as was Screamers. So if you want to go check out Screamers, if you haven't already, um, both of those films are available for free on the Tubi TV service. So. And if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms about Screamers or Island of the Fishmen, please let us know. We'd love to read them and read them out loud and embarrass you on the air or uh, just kind of... <laughs> shovel those things under the rug because we realized we said something stupid, but you can address those to a number of channels, including video podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at video junk pod, or find us on Facebook on either our regular video junkyard podcast page or the video junkyard podcast, Facebook group. If you write it, we'll read it. And we would love to hear from you as long with any other suggestions that you may have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the Gilman movies. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like we should do more of these things. Like, like you said, it's underappreciated. Yeah, this one kind of is, and and I I think Dead Hate the Living will be a fun one too because I I, I think the last time I saw that was when we were in college, so this will be a real treat to revisit that one yep, as well. I think I saw it once, and it was at your place when we were in college. So yeah, it'll be. <laughs> We'll have yeah. to check that one out. So please make sure you like, subscribe, share all of that new agey internet stuff for the Video Junkier <laughs> podcast. And make sure you tune in next week uh, and share around for our discussion on uh, That Hate the Living. So until next time, we want to thank you for joining us here on the Video Junkier podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric O'Branson. Hope you have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard